Thank you for joining us and welcome back beyond the bandwagon. I am Elias. With me today and every podcasting day is Kyla. Hey, what's up? The uh, clash of the podcast stars that we had in week four <laughs> turned out to be a bit of a snooze fest. <laughs> I wouldn't call it stars. But <laughs> well, not this season so far. Uh, the snooze fest includes Calvin Ridley's zero points on Monday Night Football, but we'll get to that soon. We've got a bunch on the docket for today. We'll recap week four, then dig into our injury updates and our good and bad matchups for week five. I'm sure the suspense is killing everyone, but <laughs> the mean machine was able to fend off Finkel as Einhorn. Shocker. Yeah, <laughs> shocker. Kyla, what are your thoughts on Finkel's performance? Well, my team is just terrible. I've accepted the fact now. It's just more of the same for me this week. I really am going to try to keep it brief this time because it's really just getting old at this point <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with the bench players this time just to change it up a little bit. Okay. I had Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown on my bench on an impromptu bye week because of their COVID outbreak. Cam Akers was out and in my IR slot. Joshua Kelly finished with only 4.3 points despite Austin Eckler leaving that game in the first quarter. Miles Gaskin had 9.2 points. Marquise Brown, 12.6, which, you know, was decent for him. And Hayden Hurst had 9.1 points from Monday Night Football. Now moving on to my starting lineup. <laughs> Elias is laughing at me, <laughs> You I'm not there. laughing at you. I'm I'm just laughing at the tone. You're just like now moving on. <laughs> I'm just like very defeated at this point. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's pick it up a little bit here. I got some good things to report. You know, it it, it wasn't all bad. It was mostly bad, but it was some good. I was led by <laughs> Alan Robinson, who finished with twenty five point one points. So he seems to be, you know, heating up a little bit, which is good mm -hmm. news. It was looking pretty bleak for him for a while. He had three catches for 32 yards throughout the entire game almost, but he got some garbage time yards, garbage time touchdown. All still counts in fantasy, just the same, so I was happy about that. Well, it was kind of a vintage performance for him because that's what he did on Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> like they, he wouldn't do anything the whole game, and then Bortles would hit him for like five catches in the final two minutes, and it's like, all right, Allen Robinson. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll take it, whatever. Um, next was Matthew Stafford with the three touchdown performance and 22 points, which was good. Kenny Galladay in the same game finished with 16.2 points. Believe it or not, my third highest scorer was Todd Gurley. Can, I don't know if anybody can believe that, but <laughs> he finished with 63 total yards and two touchdowns against Green Bay, which was 19.3 points. I went into Monday night. With Clyde left to play and Todd Gurley left to play, I was down 45 points. And Elias, you had Calvin Ridley left. And I was like, well, if Calvin mm. Ridley just doesn't do anything, I could get 45 points between these two running backs. Like that That's the most feasible Monday night miracle that I have had all season. And Calvin Ridley didn't do anything, but I didn't get 45 points for my running backs. Clyde finished with, <laughs> let me see where I am in my notes here. Oh, yeah. So everything else after Todd Gurley was bad. 
Clyde finished with 12.1 points, which was not a huge disappointment, but I definitely expected more out of him. The matchup was tough. He still got a lot of carries. I'm still holding out hope. If he can just start finding the end zone, he will be fine. The biggest disappointments I had, Mike Gesicki with two and a half points, another one catch for 15-yard performance. Luckily, in the week prior, it was for a touchdown. This week, it was not for a touchdown. He only finished with two and a half points. But the biggest disappointment of all was Kenyon Drake, who finished with only three and a half points. (laughs) So, spoiler alert, I will talk more about Kenyon Drake when we get to our losers of the week portion of this podcast. Because he is the biggest loser of the week, in my opinion. But, let's see, did I leave anything out? Oh, Chicago's defense only had two points, which was a big disappointment as well. I don't even know what my kicker got. I didn't even write it here. Maybe seven points or something, which wasn't bad. Um, But I lost again, as Elias already said. I am now 0-4. I am dead last in the league. I am the only team who does not have a win. I am two wins at least behind everybody, which doesn't, I mean, my season isn't done, but it's not looking great. We'll see how things go in the future. I've got another tough matchup this week. Again, your your team is capable though. And uh, I did try (laughs) to pick up Chase Edmonds and you you? got him. I, I, I did try to pick him up. I was shocked that nobody else ahead of, because I was like five or something on the waiver wire. And I, I went for him solely because I have Kenyon Drake and I'm looking like he may end up taking that job, but I did pick up Chase Edmonds on the wire because I have Kenyon Drake. Nobody else really picked up anybody though, except for me and you. So Damian Harris is still out there. Uh, Darius Johnson is still out there. There's a lot of people still out there. Yeah, I I picked up uh, Justin Jackson right oh, you before did. we recorded. Yeah, dropped Michael Gallup. Oh my gosh, Gallup is out. <laughs> I am so tired of his shit. <laughs> so <laughs> he hasn't been that bad. He just has. He's just volatile. He had one good week. Yeah, <laughs> one good week. It um, does seem like he will be volatile throughout the season, though. With you know, C.D. Lamb has really emerged. He got two touchdowns in the game on Sunday. And it seems like he has become the second favorite target for uh, Dak Prescott, at least. Yeah. So uh, the final score of our game was 123.82 to 110.04. Coming into the week, my team. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Uh, Coming into the week, my team was a mess. As you mentioned, with your Titans players, I have Derrick Henry. He got a surprise bye week because of COVID. He may be getting another surprise bye week because of COVID here this Mm -hmm. week as well. We'll find out. Chris Godwin was out with a hamstring injury. Deontay Johnson was out with a concussion. And there is a possibility Chris Carson was going to be out as well. However, Carson played, and then things started to look up. Yeah. Things went Uh, very well for you in the early games. The Seattle RB ran for 80 yards and two touchdowns. He added three catches for 20 yards and got 25 PPR points. In my other RB spot, I was forced to start Antonio Gibson, despite it being a bad matchup that we talked about on the show. And he had the game of the season. 
Yeah, but <laughs> never fear. The Washington RV ran for 46 yards and a score and surprisingly added four catches for 82 yards. He finished with 22.8 points, by far his best game of the season. Uh-huh. In that That's same because game. you are playing me, so you're welcome. <laughs> well, if I have to play him again this week, I'm playing Bethany, so I really hope that he has another awesome week. He's playing the Rams, which is not a great matchup either necessarily, but yeah. Washington also has a QB change. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haskins is out and uh, Kyle Allen is in. Is Kyle Allen. Yeah, I knew it wasn't <laughs> Alex Smith. <laughs> no, Alex uh, Smith is now the backup, though, I saw. Yeah, yeah. In that same Washington and Baltimore game, quarterback Lamar Jackson earned 25.02 points. He ran for 53 yards and a touchdown. The rushing TD was on a 50-yard scamper on an RPO, which was pretty awesome. I've been waiting for that highlight all season, (laughs) and it happened, and it was pretty great. Yeah. You'll love to see it. It was beautiful. It was great. He connected for two passing touchdowns with my tight end, Mark Andrews who finished with three catches for 57 yards and 20.7 fantasy points. You said he had two touchdowns? Mm, Yep. He had three catches and two of them were touchdowns. Exactly. Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andrews so far has had two boom weeks and two bust weeks. Yeah. He caught two touchdowns in week one, had, I think, 22 points. The next two weeks, he did barely anything. And then this week, he had two more touchdowns, so... I'm hoping for more consistency out of him and very soon. Yeah. Started Tyler Boyd, who was solid once again. Seven catches for 90 yards for 16.4 points. The wheels do kind of come off after this at this point (laughs) in my lineup. Uh, As we talked about, Gallup got just 4.9 points. Another disappointing week from him. He is no longer on the team. (laughs) And... You you almost came back on Monday night because of Calvin Ridley, despite five targets, did not record a catch. Matt Ryan really had a rough game. Yeah. I thought there were a few different plays where guys were wide open and he missed them. Uh, well, but the he, did throw, he did throw a long ones. one to um, Ridley in the end zone and he dropped oh, like it. the last the, the last play of the game. It wasn't a great, I mean, a perfect throw, but Ridley, I think he is good enough to have caught it and he didn't. I was I was hoping just for like that yearly point total. Like I just I needed more of a I just I was at 123 going into Monday night. I didn't want to leave at 123. Like yeah. 132, 133 sounded a lot better to me. Anything, yeah. Um to round out my week, just three points from Cardinals kickers and Gonzalez and six points from the Broncos defense. Thought the Broncos would get more in their matchup against the Jets. Yeah. My the most flabbergasting play of the week would be the Sam Darnold. It was like a 45 yard touchdown run on, on Thursday night football to get that <laughs> game going. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> he should have been tackled by like three different guys. Sam yeah. Darnold jukes uh, the uh, Broncos safety, Justin <laughs> Simmons, like out of his shoes. Simmons falls down. And Darnold <laughs> runs for a touchdown. I was like, you cannot be serious. At least the Broncos won. That game was terrible. Who knew Sam Darnold could juke? <laughs> he he can't. It was awful. <laughs> Simmons just like totally missed him and fell down. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Someone as good as Simmons should be just like ashamed of that play. Everyone makes mistakes. Well, anyway, uh, uh, like two and two. A, yeah. What? 
I must say, like you said, at least the Broncos did win that game. The Cowboys, however, could not say the same. The, the Broncos, they, they did their best. <laughs> the uh, starting quarterback was Brett Rippon, and Rippon, uh, he was hey, good. He, he was good through like three quarters. in that game. He I was throw really block. impressed with the block. He was good through three quarters, and then he threw a pick six, and then he threw another pick, and it was like, okay, maybe wow. the experiment's over. But yeah. anyway, the mean machine, two and two on the season. However, the two teams that I've beat are currently eighth and tenth <laughs> in the standings. <laughs> so my team is not doing great either. But when I look at my lineup, I really do. I think I have a great team, but there's just so much scoring in the NFL right now. Yeah. My only hope I feel like is for it to level out and for my players to finally be on the level of some of these other guys. Like, yeah, one one team in our league this week had the person who's going to be my w- winner of the week. They had him who was the single best player in fantasy, Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. She had Odell Beckham, and I the think another player. They got year. like thirty. Yeah, she scored one hundred and eighty points, and they're yeah. just going to be weeks like that. And she hadn't come close to that. I wish I could get one week where I could score like that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Is like I have not had a week in any of my leagues where my team has gone off. I always start Will Fuller the one week that he gets hurt and gets zero. Uh-huh. Or I start Noah Fan and he gets hurt in the second quarter. And it's yeah. just every week that happens. I lost I lost Noah Fan and Austin Eckler in another league to injury. And I lost by less than a point. Yeah. That's, That's bullshit. <laughs> it's and it and not only that, but on Monday night, the only player that either one of us had going was Robbie Gold. I guess that was Sunday night. And then the the uh, 49ers only score 14 points. All I needed was three points <laughs> from Robbie Gold, and I got two. Oh and I gosh. had two guys that left due to injury. That I is was, painful. It, oh, it was so painful. I could not believe I lost that game. So now I'm two and two in that league, too. I guess at least my losses have not been close. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> is that a positive I'm trying to find the silver lining here. Okay. No, uh, I look at my team. I'm like you. I've looked at my team all season and thought, this is a good team. Like, I've got good guys, except Kenya Drake has really fucked me. I feel like, although I don't have many like repla- better replacement options. So, just going to anyway. have to ride the troops. You're going to have to get in there and get <laughs> some party of that shit. Just be like, <laughs> you know, this is our time. It's what I'm going to do this week. I The only hope, which is bad to say, that I have this week is that Alina, who you have mentioned already, who had Joe Mixon, lost Austin Eckler, which I hate to say that's a positive for anybody to get injured, but that will hurt her team. I think she has <laughs> Devin Singletary to replace him, which, you know, depending on how Zach Moss is this week, that could go two ways. Well, and Singletary might not get to play if the Titans game is postponed again. So we'll see what That's happens true. there. Yeah. Uh, as always, we are recording on Wednesday morning. And mm-hmm. we just got the news about the two more positive tests for the Titans. So yeah. it remains to be seen yet if that game will be played. However, we did mention Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. And it is time for the winners and losers of last week. Uh, <laughs> and my guy is Joe Mixon. So I will go ahead and go. Uh, 
He was a late addition to the injury report this past week with a chest issue, but he wound Mm -hmm. up playing and by far having his best game of the year. There is actually somebody in another league of mine that had him on the bench because they didn't check the lineup in time thinking he might not play. And yeah, obviously he's the top scorer this week in fantasy. That sucks. Uh, In the first three weeks of the season, uh, he did not top 12.6 fantasy points or more than 69 yards on the ground. But in week four, 44.1 points. He had 25 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns to go along with six catches, 30 yards, and another touchdown. He was actually scoreless going into week four. So three touchdowns as opposed to zero coming in. We'll see if he can keep up the positive outcomes. They'll likely have to pass more in in the games coming up. So they'll kind of have to go back to the way the offense was before with Joe Burrow just slinging the ball around. But they were able to run the ball late and kind of salt the game away against the Jaguars, and Mixon took advantage. He had a Mm -hmm. huge second half. Yeah, he's had a very slow start to the season, but what a week he had in week four. I am hoping for less this week since, like I said, I am playing the team who has him. And I hope Baltimore can do a better job against the Bengals than they did against the football team um, <laughs> and Antonio Gibson. <laughs> That's so weird to say. I wish football they would pick a new name. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned him being on the bench in your other league. I actually saw Alina over the weekend, Alina and Bethany, and she was talking about how she might bench him because he has not done anything all year. And Devin Singletary had had a couple good games and smartly she decided to keep him in over Devin Singletary, which was the the right move. And he got 44 points. So it was definitely a good decision. It's too early to bench a lot of people unless their name is Michael Gallup or Kenyon Drake or well, (laughs) or Kenyon Drake. I mean, even in, on Yahoo and on ESPN and all that, they're starting to kind of allude to the fact that Chase Edmonds might be taking over that job at some yeah. point. So we'll see how that goes. It, he seems to be getting plenty of volume. He's just not effective. Right. Well, before we move on to really discussing Kenyon Drake here, let me do my winner of the week first, okay. which is George Kittle. So there were so many options for winner of the week this week because every team's scoring 35 points a game yeah nobody can play defense i almost went with Dak prescott i almost went with odell beckham could have even gone with tom brady all those guys had amazing games but i decided to go with george kittle after he missed the last two weeks with an injury he returned in week four and erupted for 15 catches on 15 targets that means he called every ball that was thrown to him which is crazy, 183 yards and a touchdown. He scored 42.1 points in our league. San Francisco ended up losing that game, which is unfortunate because I hate the Eagles. (laughs) I was going to say, unfortunate for who? (laughs) For the Cowboys because now they're 1-3 and and the Eagles are 1-2-1. and So that probably means they're leading the division now, right? It does. does, Which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, the Um, division's terrible. (laughs) Clearly. What can you say? But George Kittle is a rare breed. Definitely winner of the week for me. He is. He's amazing to watch. He's so fun to watch play. 
And he that's probably will not be the last time we see George Kittle in our winner of the week category this season. No, probably not. He can block too. He's just an all around yeah. awesome player. Uh, you talked about Drake. I think you have uh, you, you've right got the floor. Him. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you didn't, if you couldn't deduce it already, Kenya Drake is my loser of the week. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. Here's a guy. <laughs> he is getting my early vote for bus of the year. Okay. I know we're only a week five. Things could change, but he has gotten worse every single week. This week, he had the least amount of rushing attempts he's had all season, and he was not targeted. He turned his 13 carries into only 35 yards, which is a measly 2.7 yards per carry. Like I said, he was not targeted, while Chase Edmonds was targeted six times, which he turned into five catches for 24 yards and a touchdown. Garbage time touchdown, but still a touchdown. Nonetheless, that Kenyon Drake did not get. He also mm-hmm. added four carries for 16 yards, which is an average of four yards per carry compared to the 2.7 that Kenyon Drake is offering us. Before this week, Edmonds was not really cutting into uh, Kenyon Drake's touches in any meaningful way, but now there is cause for concern. It's looking more and more like Edmonds could take over this backfield with the underwhelming performance that Kenyon Drake has had so far he did leave the game apparently after a hard hit but turns out he just got the wind knocked out of him and that was in the fourth quarter i think but yeah like i said i picked up chase edmonds on the waiver as a handcuff of security because if they get him going you know he might he might save my team i'm i'm counting on chase edmonds to save my team Well, if you recall, I I drafted Chase Edmonds and then uh, and I then had to drop that. him. Um, and we were like, "Well, Kenyon Drake's going to be great. He's not going to. That's not going to be worth anything." So then you dropped him. Yeah. Um, we were wrong. <laughs> I I we were wrong. No, I I drafted him and Brian Hill just because my RBs were so poor, and just with all the injuries and all that, you can't hold on to those guys for half a season yeah which i was hoping maybe i would get lucky enough to do but that did not happen my loser of the week is tyler lockett the receiver for seattle he hadn't finished below 17.2 points at any point this season that was his worst game but against the dolphins on sunday he finished with just two catches for 39 yards and 5.9 points in our league he was inconsistent at times last year but this time around i think it's kind of more of an outlier than a trend, his performance on Sunday. Um, he only got four targets, which was his lowest up to this point. Prior to this, his lowest was eight. Seattle just had to go in you know, a, a different direction. R- Russell Wilson threw it to some different guys. Seattle still scored 30 points once again, which they've mm-hmm. done all four weeks, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Lockett will bounce back against the Vikings with just an off week. And yeah. uh, when you're used to getting like 20 points from him every week, got to be disappointing. Kind of like with me and Calvin Ridley getting zero since he's, <laughs> been, since he's been amazing so far. He got like 35, 31, and then 18. That really was and a shocker that Calvin Ridley got. I like there was, I went into Monday night thinking there's no way that Calvin Ridley is going to get zero. But if he could just get 
five, there's still a chance I could win. Right. And then, you know, he did what I needed him to do. He didn't get anything. And then my team still just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tyler Lockett, he definitely, it was definitely the worst week he's had all season. And a real bummer after getting three touchdowns against the Cowboys. Um, He usually, now you said he had some inconsistencies last season and he did, but that was at the end of the season after he got, had that injury where he was in the hospital and everything. Also, he was on my team, so that would make him more inconsistent because that's what <laughs> <on my> <laughs> He was in the hospital. He had to go to the hospital, yeah. A, it was late in the season. I can't remember. Something maybe in his lower leg. Something happened, and he was in the hospital. And then after that, Damn. he just wasn't the same. Um, but for the, for the most part, like early on in the season before that, he was the most consistent guy I had on my team, and I bragged on him, and I bragged on him, and then he sucked. He got like a zero um, toward the end of the season, and it just was very disappointing. My team <laughs> fell apart at the end of the season last year. <laughs> had a much better start last year than I did this year, so I'm hoping for the opposite. Maybe I'll pull it together now. We'll see. But yes, he should be Anything fine in week is possible. four. Yeah. He should be fine in week four against Minnesota. I wouldn't worry about him. But definitely a disappointing week. All right, moving on to our injury updates for week five. We're going to start with a couple of guys that are either on the IR for the season. First one, OJ Howard, the tight end for Tampa Bay, tore his Achilles. It seemed like he was having a pretty good game on Sunday prior to that, so mm -hmm. a huge disappointment for him. He's on IR out for the season. Two big injuries here. Nick Chubb, the running back for Cleveland, he hurt his MCL. He is placed on the IR. He will be out at least three weeks. Reports are saying he could be out as long as six weeks. And then Austin Eckler, the running back for the Chargers, hurt his hamstring, was seen on crutches with a brace after the game. Um, he has a grade two hamstring strain. He's going to be on the IR, but they haven't put him on there yet, <laughs> which is frustrating because I have yeah. him in two of my three leagues and I need to put him in my IR slot so I can pick up somebody else. But right now he's just listed as doubtful, which is super yeah. frustrating because I can't do anything with him unless I drop him, which I don't want to do in case he comes back. So yeah. the chargers need to get their shit together and put him on <laughs> IR. I don't uh, know why they haven't. We kind of, we kind of talked about this before we started recording. I will be surprised if he is back in four to six weeks because the injury, I mean, a grade two strain is pretty significant. Yeah, and, seems severe. Yeah. So they they will most likely, I would think, put him on IR. Otherwise, that's going to really suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two guys here that are on the Jets. First of, or first of all, Sam Darnold, the quarterback, sprained his AC joint in his shoulder. The team is not planning to start Darnold this week. They're going to give him the week off. So it's Joe Flacco time, which of course means the Jets <laughs> will finish 12 and 4 this season because they will Joe continue. Uh, no, they'll continue on the same path that they are currently on. <laughs> they will not win. Or they'll go 0 and 16 because Joe Flacco is older than dirt and can no longer do anything. The other Jet is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he's been on the IR with a hamstring injury. They are targeting him to return this week, and it has not been clarified yet if that is going to happen. Yes, and 
Next, we have Julio Jones, which is really unfortunate. He has a hamstring injury still. He did not play in the second half against the Packers on Monday Night Football. This hamstring issue has been lingering for a long time. It bothered him this summer. Dan Quinn on Wednesday, which is today, said it's too early to tell if he will play on Sunday. If I were a betting woman, and I am, I would say he's probably not going to play since he keeps because he reaggravated it in the game against Dallas too, which was mm-hmm. week two, I think. Um, so they really need to give him some time to recover from this. We'll see what happens. Uh, next up, Chris Godman, the wide receiver for Tampa Bay. He has a hamstring pull. He did not practice on Tuesday, likely will not play on Thursday night. Deshaun Jackson, the wide receiver for Philadelphia, also has a hamstring injury. He is listed as questionable, but he did return to practice on Wednesday, and he looks on track to play this week, which the Eagles really need some help mm-hmm. there. The next few guys, they're, it seems like all the injury reports are coming out later than they used to. So, again, this is Wednesday. It's about 1230 in the afternoon. These next few guys do not have an update yet, but they are all listed as questionable. Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver for Philadelphia. Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, both receivers for the Raiders. Um, And Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain. There's no update on him yet, so keep an eye on those guys. Also for the Saints, Jared Cook, the tight end, has a groin injury. He did not play in week four, but there has been no update on his week five status yet. Yeah, as for Thomas and Jackson, it seems like they're trending toward playing. Mm-hmm. I would bet everyone else not playing, but obviously uh, keep checking your lineups in that. Now to the Denver Broncos section of the injury report. <laughs> uh, F- Philip Lindsay with his toe sprain. He did practice Tuesday. He is expected to return to the field for their game against the Patriots, which... Now, Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots has tested positive for COVID, so we will see if the Broncos and Patriots even play. That being said, quarterback Drew Locke for the Broncos is questionable. He has resumed throwing. The Broncos are holding out hope that he will return this week. I'm willing to bet that he does not if the game happens. Yeah. Noah Fant, tight end. He's expected to be out week five with an ankle sprain. He has not yet been cleared to practice, so he hasn't even been on the field couple 49ers, Jimmy G. Still no update on his status for a week five return with a high ankle sprain. Raheem Mostert with his MCL sprain. He's questionable. Kind of seems like they were thinking he might have returned or that he might return last week. So he could play. We will find out. No update yet on Devontae Adams for the Packers. Cam Akers, the running back for the Rams has a rib injury. Coach McVay said he expects Akers to return this week. And then uh, we have a Finkel Zeinhorn player here, A.J. Brown, for the Titans. Again, Titans might not play, but he is expected to return in week five from a knee bone bruise. A couple of RBs for Tampa Bay. We have LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette. Fournette has an ankle injury and and will be a game-time decision. The Buccaneers play the Bears on Thursday night football. And then LaShawn McCoy has a sprained ankle, and he is doubtful to play. And the final guy we have on the injury report is Zach Moss, the RB for the Bills, has a toe injury, and they have not provided an update yet. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Devontae Adams there with his hamstring injury. He it's kind of an awkward situation last week. He tweeted out himself that he felt like basically that he could play, but they aren't letting him. Yeah. Pretty much. So I I think that bodes well for his status for week five. Maybe he'll return this week. A couple of guys I did want to mention that were newly added to IR this week, though, before we move on. Alan Lazard, the wide receiver for Green Bay. Uh, prior to the week four game, which was, I think, after we recorded our podcast last week, though, he underwent core muscle surgery and was placed on IR. He's expected to be out four to eight weeks. And then the other, the only other new one, I think, was Sony Michelle, the running back for New England, has a quadriceps injury. He was also placed on IR. They are hoping he will ter- return in week eight. But I think that was all the new ones, right? I believe so. And speaking of the waiver wire, we had Lazard on our list, and then he had surgery. So he's going to be out for a while. And then Michelle, his move to IR, Damian Harris had a fairly good game against the Chiefs. Mm Kind of seems like he's going to take over that Michelle role. Not much of a receiving threat, but he's going to get a lot of carries each game, especially if their quarterback is going to be Brian Hoyer. They're going to want to not throw as much as possible. Yeah. So Damian Harris is a solid pickup if you're looking for some RB help, which at this point I feel like everyone is. Yeah, and I just I didn't go for Damian Harris one because I went for Chase Edmonds because I have Kenyon Drake, but I have such a hard time trusting any of the Patriots running backs. So I thought some of the other guys were probably like safer options than Damian Harris. Although with Sony Michelle out, you might be able to trust him pretty regularly. Yeah, and I picked up Justin Jackson of the Chargers more as a speculative type thing just to see how he does if i actually had to play someone other than antonio gibson potentially this week yeah i would probably drop jackson and pick up harris yeah to me that's more of a guarantee that there would be points but then again maybe i would have to keep jackson because the <laughs> patriots aren't gonna play <laughs> maybe so, so we'll see there's just so much oh, so many gosh. question marks coming up here all right, let's go on to week five. We're on to week five. <laughs> We're, We're forgetting about week five. <laughs> okay, so moving on to our good and bad matchups for the week. My first good matchup is Justin Jefferson at Seattle. Uh, the Vikings are really starting to involve Justin Jefferson and the offense more. Over the last two games, he has 11 catches for 278 yards and a touchdown. Back-to-back 100-yard games from Jefferson. Now, looking at the matchup with Seattle, Seattle has given up 100 yards, 100-yard games to seven different receivers through the first four games of the season and five touchdowns to the position, which is outrageous. There are plenty of fantasy points to go around for both him and Adam Thielen last week. They both had 100 yards, and I would not be surprised at all if that happened again this week in a shootout with Seattle. I expect... The Vikings to get down, play catch up. I think Justin Jefferson is a solid option for you if you are missing Julio Jones, uh, Chris Godwin, any number of guys who might not play because of COVID. You know, I, I think he's a good option. Yeah. And it's been amazing with Seattle and I guess with the Vikings too, just kind of how many points each team has been giving up. But I'm kind of expecting your typical 
Seahawks game there, a 35-31 type thing. Yeah. Maybe Jefferson pulls an Allen Robinson and hasn't done much. And then right at the end there in the fourth quarter, he gets six or seven catches. Yeah. But I think he's a great play this week as well. Um, my first start of the week is a former Viking, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback for the Panthers. And they are in Atlanta. Teddy has had a fairly middle of the road season so far, just a four to three TD to INT ratio. But this week he's facing the Falcons, which with all the injuries is one of the best matchups in the NFL currently. And Teddy is coming off his best game of the year. When the Panthers played the Cardinals, he finished with 26.24 points, 276 passing yards and three total touchdowns. Atlanta has allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. I think Teddy keeps up the momentum and has a great week against the Falcons. And if you have Ryan Tannehill or Josh <laughs> Allen or one of these guys that are uh, maybe going to sit out this week, yeah. Teddy is a very, very good option to fill in. That's what I was just about to say. He's coming off his best game of the year. The Falcons are giving up so many points to quarterbacks. I'm not sure what more you could ask for in, in a matchup. It's it's basically a dream matchup. And I do have Tanithrill. So I may end up having to pick up Teddy Bridgewater myself. And, play, and I may have to do it pretty soon before somebody else does because I think it's probably the quarterback, the streaming quarterback matchup of the week at least. So, yeah. yeah um, it's a perfect matchup, which means, of course, the Falcons are going to win 45 to 3. <laughs> and uh, you know Teddy's not going to do anything. That is, <laughs> but it is how the my luck goes. Up on on paper, and damn yeah. it, that's what we do here. We we yeah. look at the paper. So <laughs> great matchup, Teddy, and good luck. I know that's why I was even like before the news of the two new COVID tests for the Titans. I was thinking maybe I'll just pick up Teddy Bridgewater and play him, and then I thought, well, I should just stick with Ryan Tannehill because. For the most part, he's pretty solid and safe. Yeah. But now I might not have a choice. But I'm scared that if I pick him up and drop Ryan, because I'll have to drop Ryan Tannehill if I pick him up, because I do not have any room on my team. Now I'm afraid. We shall see. <laughs> um, my next good matchup is Evan Ingram at Dallas. Ingram has had a slow start to the season, um, so much so that I'm pretty sure he was dropped in our league, and now he has a new home. Um, he's getting targets and running routes, though. It's just the Giants' offense has not been able to do very much. With that said, if there is ever a week to start Evan Ingram, it is this week against Dallas. The Dallas defense is pretty sad all around, unfortunately. Uh, against tight ends, they're giving up the ninth most fantasy points per game, which looks like double-digit points in three or four games to the position and three touchdowns in four games to tight ends. If you're like me and you have a tight end problem, which I do, I dropped Mike Gesicki this week because I've had enough of that guy. I feel like you can confidently go with Evan Ingram this week and expect 10 to 15 points as the floor but the ceiling is much higher. At this point, if you have a player that's going against the Cowboys, just <laughs> plug them in. That, yes. The Cowboys, uh, the Seahawks, the Falcons, any of those teams, you play them. It's really amazing how poor some of these teams have played defensively. And obviously there are injuries. You know, this year is completely the strangest year, I think. Mm -hmm. 
of all time, but yeah. Dallas and Atlanta. Yeah. I said this the other day. Dallas and Atlanta are basically the same team. They have a great offense, great offensive weapons, no fucking defense. So you're not going (laughs) to win anything like that. Like if you can't stop, if you can't stop the Cleveland Browns from scoring 48 or 49 points or whatever it was, you, you ain't going to win anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it was 49 points, which was insane. I'd, I would like to know the last time the Browns scored that many points, but that might take a while to look up. Uh, Our final good matchup of the week, Will Fuller, the receiver for Houston. They are playing the Jaguars. Unfortunately, my Texans prediction of them falling apart is one of the few things that I got completely right in the preseason. Uh, Their one real weapon, aside from Deshaun Watson, is Fuller. He's gotten 15 or more points in three out of four weeks. He got hurt the other week and got zero. So when he plays, he does super well. Mm-hmm. Now he's facing a Jaguars team that has allowed eight passing touchdowns this season. Only three of them have been to receivers. But Tyler Boyd had a huge week against the Jags last Sunday. I expect the same from Fuller. He's a no-doubt must-play in week five. I have him in another league. And I also have Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, well, I did have Gallup, but not anymore. <laughs> uh, and I have a pretty deep um, roster of RBs as well, despite the fact that I just lost Austin Eckler. So I'm kind of in a situation now. Oh, I have Robert Woods on that team as well. Oh, so yeah. nice. potentially two spots, maybe three for Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, Fuller, and Robert Woods. So, you know, we get these questions on Twitter and Instagram about who to start <laughs> and that I I don't know my own start sit question for for that <laughs> league. I, I Fuller has a great matchup. I think I might sit Robert Woods. Yeah, out of those four. Playing? The Rams. Oh man, who are the Rams playing? I would need to get the the schedule up here. Let's see. I got it right here, Washington. Washington, okay, so good defensive line, but they do give up plenty of points. Um, yeah, I mean, I still, still, I don't know. You've got I, some I time like to it, mull it over. Yeah, I do have some time to mull it over, and then um, Michael Thomas hopefully comes back. So if he comes yeah. back, it's a must play. But yeah. to get back on on track here, Fuller, if <laughs> you don't have a situation like mine, a must play this week. I think he is going to get a a very easy 15 points, hopefully more. Yeah, I don't really, I don't have anything else to add here. I think you hit everything, and I agree with you. It's definitely a good start this week. Moving on to the bad matchups. My first one is Miles Gaskin at San Francisco. I like Gaskin. I am a huge Miles Gaskin guy. I think he is a good, fairly solid flex play for the most part. But he does have a tough stretch of games coming up, so um, that is definitely worth noting. Last week against Seattle, he still dominated Miami's backfield touches, but only managed 62 all-purpose yards. Seattle's run defense is pretty good, but San Francisco is even better. They have not allowed more than 63 yards on the ground and have allowed just one rushing touchdown to the position all season. Um, They did allow a receiving touchdown to Chase Edmonds in week two. So there's that. But if you have options, which you might not, 
if you're like me and you have Kenyon Drake and he sucks, you might have to play him. <laughs> but if you do have options, I would sit him this week because this is going to be a very hard game for Miami in general. Yeah, and Miami seems to be... They are, at the very least, competitive. You know, They're not going to win a lot of games this season, but they do seem mm-hmm. to be a tough out. Yeah. So I can see Gaskin maybe getting some points in garbage time. But yeah, against the 49ers, um, not a good matchup, first of all. And I guess this is a good segue for my first bad matchup. I'll just go with Miles Sanders here because he faced the 49ers last week and did not have a good game. And I would expect the like, Gaskin... How is this a segue? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would expect the Gaskin does not either. But my first one is Miles Sanders. He had solid weeks in week two and week three, but has yet to rush for 100 yards in a game. Now he goes against a stout Steelers defense that has been great against the run this season. They've allowed only three or 2.3 yards per carry to RBs. They also have 15 sacks through three games, and we know Philadelphia's offensive line isn't very good. I expect Wentz to be under duress once again, and I don't think Philly will exceed 54 yards on the ground in the game, which is what the Steelers are allowing on average. If they do surpass 54, I really think it'll just be because Carson Wentz is scrambling, which he's been able to do pretty frequently these last few weeks, even against the 49ers, which I said in the podcast last week he would not be able to do, but yeah. he did have a couple nice scrambles <laughs> in the Sunday night game. Uh, Sanders gets lots of volume, which will help, and he can be a factor in the receiving game, but Philly will likely have to pass early and often, which overall... You know, barring any of the things I just mentioned, pretty much hurts his prospects of having a huge week. I think yeah. he's a, you know, a lot of people are going to have to play him just because of where they drafted him. But I think he's a flex play this week. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely 100% a tough matchup, one of the toughest that there is for running backs. I do think that a lot of people, like you said, are still going to have to start him because of where they drafted him with all the injuries and stuff to running backs, how thin it is. But if you do have to start him, let's just hope that the rest of your team is good enough to compensate for what he does not get because he is not going to have a great week. At least, I mean, I say that factually, but, you know, we don't think he's going to have a good week. (laughs) It's our our job to be factual, you know. (laughs) Hopefully he finds the end zone if you do start him. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, not a good matchup. Yes, my next bad matchup is Tom Brady at Chicago. TB12 is coming off his greatest game of the season so far um, against the Chargers, where he finished with 369 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. Chicago's defense has been much stingier to the quarterback position than Los Angeles. They are giving up the second fewest fantasy points per game to the position. Excuse me. The Bears have not allowed a 300-yard passer and have not given up a multi-touchdown game to quarterbacks. I think there are other options out there you could stream if you have to. Uh, I do not think Tom Brady is trustworthy this week against Chicago. I wouldn't play him if I had him. <laughs> I mean, I might because I'm desperate now because Ryan Tannehill might not play. But <laughs> if I had any other choice, I would not play Tom Brady this week against Chicago. Yeah, not a smart play. Uh, Brady is kind of feeling himself right now, though. Five mm-hmm. touchdowns this past Sunday. Definitely. So uh, he might going to Chicago and do some good things, but uh, we will see overall if you have a choice. I would say I agree. 
our uh, final bad matchup. Before I do that, I will recap our matchup so far. Our starts for the week are Justin Jefferson, Evan Ingram, Teddy Bridgewater, and Will Fuller. And our sits, Miles Gaskin, Tom Brady, Miles Sanders, and my final bad matchup in sit is Melvin Gordon. The Broncos are at New England. I am going to act as if this game is definitely going to be played, which we don't know yet. Uh, Gordon enjoyed a huge game against the Jets this past Thursday, but unfortunately for the Broncos, they now get to go up against Bill Belichick, which obviously not a good thing. Mm -hmm. New England, always tough defensively, has allowed the sixth fewest amount of fantasy points to RBs this season and has allowed only one TD on the ground so far. The matchup itself is bad, and Philip Lindsay is also returning to the Broncos lineup, which means Gordon could lose touches to his fellow back. If Cam Newton returns, there is a world as well where the, where the Patriots are up big and Denver has to throw, which Gordon will get even fewer points. If he's not, which he likely will not be, it could be a close game, and maybe Gordon gets a lot of carries, especially late. But Drew Locke also has a slim chance of returning which, again, would change Gordon's outlook. So <laughs> lots of question marks here. But I yeah. think overall, Gordon is not a strong play whatsoever in Week 5 against a rushing defense that not only this season and especially last season, but historically under Belichick has been extremely tough. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. New England is tough against the run. And with Philip Lindsay coming back, it's probably going to eat into his opportunities. So if this game happens, I definitely agree with you. It is a bad matchup. And without Newton, w- without Newton and without Locke, if this game does get played, <laughs> this man, this could be like one of those. Could be wild. <laughs> no, it could be like sixteen to nine. Like it's <laughs> it gonna be one of those games. It, like we're talking about all these high scoring games, and that this could easily be like the ugliest game of the year. Like. <laughs> This this could be like a decade ago by now, but I this game always sticks out to me. There's a Browns and Bills game that finished, and I want to say it was six to three. Oh my god! And I remember people just being like, "That was the worst football game that <laughs> I've ever watched." <laughs> and it was sometime this past decade, I believe. I don't think I'm pulling that out from too far back, I don't but know. Uh, maybe 2012, something around there. But this game, it could be in that realm. Denver has enough injuries on defense. Maybe New England puts up a couple touchdowns. It's a twenty to twenty to ten type deal. Yeah. But uh, this has ugly game written all over it to me. But we shall see. They also, if New England does play, will be playing without Stephon Gilmore, which you know will help Denver's offense. Uh, which leads us to our quick hit starts here. We have Jerry Judy at New England listed here, and you put a little note in here, only if Locke plays, and even then, maybe not. But without Stefan Gilmore, his outlook could be much better. One, 100% without Gilmore, that does help. I just don't trust any of the Denver quarterbacks against <laughs> Belichick. Many a young quarterback has went into New England and gotten spanked. That is true. So I just don't trust that matchup. But if if Gilmore's out, that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, other starts that we like this week, Justin Herbert at New Orleans. Julian Edelman versus Denver. Again, if that game even happens. Robbie Anderson and Atlanta. And Janu Smith versus Buffalo, if that game happens. 
and some sits. Mike Kosicki at the 49ers, Jarvis Landry against the Colts, and Carson Wentz at Pittsburgh. And I toss an extra one on here just because I love the fact that the Texans aren't doing well. I know it sounds terrible, <laughs> but people trying to make sense of the now fired Bill O'Brien's offseason moves. Brandon Cooks against the Jaguars is my final sit. I people tried to make Brandon Cooks happen like they have in recent years, and it's just not going to happen. He's not getting fed the ball, and Randall Cobb is a much more dependable player and the yeah. guy who's going to get hurt less as well. Yeah. Um, Speaking so, of, you, you mentioned they fired Bill O'Brien. I read something that said that they would be interested in Adam Gase if the Jets fire him, which seems like the worst idea ever. <sighs> <laughs> what is there even to say about that? I mean, Adam Gase has gotten now two head coaching jobs essentially because he was seen as this offensive guru because he worked with Peyton Manning yeah. in, in Denver. And let's be honest, Peyton Manning was the coach. Yeah. Like Gary Kubiak was there. He's a great offensive mind. There were plenty of great offensive minds there during manning's time but adam gase gets a lot of credit and i guess yeah. gase was there really when the coach was still john fox but he gets a lot of credit for how that <laughs> offense was especially the 50 touchdown season manning had mm -hmm. and gase i i just really don't think he was doing a whole lot i think it was no. peyton manning was coaching yeah. himself and he's yeah. gotten two head coaching jobs out of that. He's been terrible <laughs> at it. Yeah. And Houston, who's searching for somebody, they're going <laughs> to hire this guy who's just been an absolute disaster with the Jets. And it doesn't even seem like players really like Adam Gase. He always seems to have some sort of a thing like, oh, Le'Veon Bell said this about Adam Gase or yeah. Gase regrets doing this. And like, <laughs> why is he even an option? I don't know. I, thought, I was surprised to see that. It doesn't seem like an upgrade from Bill O'Brien to Adam Gase. Well, and this is not exactly the point of what we're talking about, but but the Rooney Rule, if you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you don't know what that is, that is where there's a head coaching vacancy, and each organization is required to uh, do an interview with at least one person of color, and. Eric Bieniemy right now is by far, I think, the best head coaching candidate who has not been a head coach before. He's the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs. Mm. And then Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Those two guys would be dynamite hires. Yeah. And you're going to hire Adam Gase? <laughs> well, let's, let's hope that was just a rumor and that doesn't actually happen. Just anybody <laughs> but Adam Gase. He's not going to make it through this season, and he does not deserve a head coaching job in the NFL, like whatsoever. Yeah. But, I think J.J. Watt deserves more than Adam Gase. Oh, they all do. Everybody <laughs> does. They, That's true. The Texans fans do. But I'll get off my uh, my soapbox here. <laughs> Uh, we have two more segments. The first one is Game of the Week. And for Game of the Week, we chose the Los Angeles Chargers at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, at is kind of an interesting word here to use because the game might have to get moved to Indianapolis because of a hurricane. So it really is versus the New Orleans Saints this week. We will yeah. see. Uh, this Game of the Week 
for the second week in a row. We tried <laughs> to get the Titans in here. They are playing another undefeated team like they would have last week. They're playing the Bills, but again, once yeah. again, mm-hmm. if you've made it this far, you know that game <laughs> may not be played. So then we looked at Vikings in Seattle, and a couple weeks ago, there is a chance that the Seattle game might get postponed because of wildfires. That does not seem to be an issue this Sunday. Uh-huh. But Chargers Saints just seemed a little bit more exciting. So far, our games of the week. <laughs> the first three were blowouts. And then this past week, Colts and Bears was a defensive matchup, which we didn't exactly see coming, even though yeah. the writing is on the wall. They're both two good defensive teams. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that game because I like low scoring defensive games but i am i'm in the minority yeah in uh in that regard so chargers and saints to me at least seems like a very high scoring matchup i agree with that it was a journey like you said to get to this game we originally picked the bills and the titans um one note about the vikings and the seahawks too the vikings did play the titans you know in the prior week. So if Titans players are still testing positive, I guess it's still possible that the Vikings players might, I don't think they will, but well, that's a whole spider web because now they yeah. just played Houston. So, I mean, it, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could all be, <laughs> but, the, but the Titans <laughs> or the, uh, the Vikings have been good the last yeah. few weeks. So, so we thought that the Titans might play cause they had two consecutive days of negative tests. They now have more positive tests, so who knows what's going to happen. Chargers Saints just seem like the easiest way to go. And it's going <laughs> to be fun. Like a safe option. Yeah, it seemed like a safe option. Yeah. So, again, the Chargers at the Saints, it could be a good one. It has the potential to be very fantasy-friendly. Both these teams are better at stopping the run than they are through the air. The Saints are giving up. Only 97 and a half rushing yards per game on average to running backs, but have given up five total touchdowns to the position. The Chargers give up 110 yards per game on average to running backs, but have only surrendered two touchdowns to the position, both of which were receiving touchdowns. Now, as far as the receiving games go, New Orleans fares better in the secondary as far as fantasy points per game to wide receivers. They give up the fifth fewest, while Los Angeles gives up the 15th most. So. If Michael Thomas is back, expect him to have a good return. Obviously, he's a start regardless of who the Saints will be playing. If you've got Keenan Allen, he will most likely face Marshawn Lattimore if he returns from injury. I have no idea what his status might be for Week 5, but I still think you're playing Keenan Allen even if Marshawn Lattimore is playing. Uh, the Saints are going to obviously work on getting Alvin Kamara involved. As always, you're never benching Alvin Kamara. Both the quarterbacks are good options this week with both defenses falling in the bottom 10 of fantasy points given up to quarterbacks. The Saints have given up three touchdowns in every game to the position and the Chargers are coming off a game where they gave up five touchdowns to Tom Brady. I think Drew Brees is perfectly capable of three to four touchdowns against this defense if Tom Brady can get five. I mean, of course, you said Tom Brady's feeling himself, <laughs> but especially if Michael Thomas is back, I think Drew Brees is capable of the same play, um, especially also with how good Alvin Kamara is in the passing game. A little screen pass to Alvin Kamara could turn into a 60-yard, you know, receiving touchdown. Mm-hmm. 
New Orleans also struggles against tight ends, having given up five touchdowns to the position in four games, so look for Hunter Henry to be involved. The only question marks for me in this game are the running back duo for the Chargers, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson. I luckily was able to hold on to Kelly last week. Um, I didn't make any roster moves until Cam Akers went officially out so I could put him back on my IR. Um, so I was able to keep Kelly. I have hope that he will turn into a solid option with Austin Eckler out, but neither back really did much after Eckler left the game last week. I may have to start him anyway. We'll see. He could have a solid game, at least a decent flex stat line if they get him involved in the passing game. I don't really know. What do you think? Uh, as for the RBs, I think Justin Jackson is kind of a wait and see. I think Joshua Kelly is a must start. Uh, you just never know if they're going to try to. I mean, as we talked about in a previous pod, they really tried to feature him just like they featured Eckler, even though it seemed like Eckler was very much the superior player, at least to my my untrained eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed like Eckler was much better. So I think you've got to play Kelly. Um, Saints are a full go like normal. Before all the injuries began to happen, the Chargers had an excellent secondary. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now Derwin James is out. Chris Harris is out. The secondary, clearly, as we talked about with Tom Brady, doing pretty much whatever he wanted last week. They are not the same. Um, The Chargers have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to quarterbacks despite allowing just seven yards per pass attempt, which is eighth in the NFL, which is a nice little contradiction there. But... Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Saints are a full go. Got to start Thomas. You have to start Kamara. Uh, Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders, I don't think are good options to start, depending on your wide receiver depth. If Thomas is back, otherwise, Traquan Smith, like you've got to play mm-hmm. if you were able to pick him up. Uh, as for Herbert, Herbert to me is kind of in the Bridgewater category of mm-hmm. if you need a guy to fill in, he's an excellent fill in. He's yeah. thrown a pick in each of his three starts so far. So he does kind of have one bonehead throw at least per game, but that's kind of expected for a rookie quarterback. Uh, I, I start Allen, I start Henry, start Kelly, Herbert, and Jackson if you're needy. And uh, I think this game should be fun. I'm, no matter if they're going to play it in New Orleans or Indianapolis, I would still take the Saints. Yeah. Saints are just too deep at. Well, especially defensively over the Chargers, but you never—I guess you never know if the Chargers are going to throw bomb passes. I think some bad secondary play by the Buccaneers kept them in the game this past yeah. week. I don't, despite the Saints secondary, as you mentioned, being a little down so far. I don't think that's going to happen with the same regularity. Uh, I do feel the Saints will probably run away with this one, but. You know, thought a few things last week as well. I went uh, <laughs> on my on my picks this past week. I went nine and six, which is not the best. Not great. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I, well, in my defense, I did take the Lions to beat the Saints. Uh, I went for the upset there. I just went for it with some of the Saints guys being out. Lattimore was out. Janoris Jenkins was out. And Saints still won. So as we were talking about it, like if those guys don't play again, that means even more points for Herbert and Allen. But uh, I still take the Saints. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I take the Saints too. Look at us on the same page. Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's teamwork. Teamwork makes a dream work. <laughs> okay. Last thing to go over is our starting lineups for the week. I guess I'll just start with mine because it's it's looking a little different this week. It's still shit, but it's looking a little different. <laughs> um, currently, I had to... Okay, so I had Cam Akers on my IR. So before I could make any roster moves, I had to move him off, which means I had to drop somebody, and that was Mike Gesicki because he's a disappointment. I'm like a, a disappointed parent in Mike Gesicki, so I dropped him. And then I ended up having to drop Matthew Stafford, which is unfortunate, um, to pick up Chase Edmonds because Matthew Stafford is on a bye. He couldn't really do anything for me this week, and I need some help. So currently in my quarter, my starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, this may or may not change. I have no idea. If I have to play somebody else, I'm going to have to drop Tannehill and just hope I can get him back at some point if I need to. Starting wide receivers currently, Allen Robinson, of course. And then I had A.J. Brown in there, but with the, I mean, if he, if the Tennessee plays and A.J. Brown is active, you should play him. I don't know if they're going to play. I don't know if he's going to be active. So currently I have Marquise Brown in my wide receiver uh, two against Cincinnati, which could be one of his better games of the season, hopefully. My RBs currently. Have changed. Okay, so I still got Clyde, of course, and a matchup with Las Vegas, which is a great matchup. I'm I'm but guessing Drake is on the bench. He is currently, yes. But okay. I'm I still don't know what to do with him. Like it, it could change. I I don't think I'm gonna go with him, but you know, he does have on paper a great matchup this week against the Jets. So it's hard to put him on the bench because from what I I tried to look up this morning what the Cardinals plan is for him. And it seems like somebody said, I don't know who said this in the article. It said that getting him going is their top priority. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I trust the Cardinals after what happened with David Johnson last year, he could be active. He could be fine and then do nothing. Chase Edmonds could do everything. And then Chase Edmonds is on my bench. Kenyon Drake is in my starting lineup. I'm just rambling now. Let me get back on track. So I got Clyde, my RB1, against the Raiders, which is a great matchup for running backs. I am hoping that Clyde can break into the end zone at least one time this week. It'd be great if he could get two or three. I'd be thrilled. Of course. (laughs) Uh, My RB2 is now Todd Gurley. He's playing Carolina this week, which is a great matchup. I am hoping that he can do more of what he did last week against Green Bay. We'll see. My tight end is now Hayden Hurst. I feel like that is the best option for me this week. With I'm going to have to look and see what's out there because I definitely have a tight end problem. If Julio is out for sure, though, I think he will have a decent game and I might be able to make it through one more week without having to get another tight end. In my flex currently, Joshua Kelly. As we've already talked about, I won't go into any mm-hmm. more of that. On my bench, AJ Brown, like I said, Miles Gaskin at San Francisco. He could be an option for me for flex, but it's a terrible matchup. So we'll see. 
And then Kenny Galladay on a bye. Cam Akers is on my bench. I have been hesitant. I may end up having to drop him if he doesn't play this week. I've been trying to hold on to him because I think the Rams really like him. And if he can get healthy, he might be able to be valuable. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much longer I can hold on to him, though. Um, then Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds on my bench. My kicker is Joey Sly, Carolina kicker against Atlanta. And then I am hoping to get something out of the Arizona defense against the Jets this week. <laughs> so you started talking about your team and you were like, they're still shit. And it, it, it made me think of the movie Major League. They show the two groundskeepers and the guys, you know, on the baseball team. It finally started to, to play well. And they, they go to these groundskeepers like three times during the course of the movie. And, and they're like, you know, they're still shit. And then they start to play well. And those two guys like, you can't win them over. They're just like, <laughs> they're still shitty. <laughs> like, the first thing I thought of when you said that. Um, AJ Brown is a must play, like you said, if he is available, even though he's going to have to go up against Tredavious White. There's too high of a ceiling for AJ Brown if he does play. You just you can't afford to sit him. Yeah. And then... Uh, as for Drake, you you mentioned the David Johnson thing that happened last season. That that burned me, not in this league, but in a different one. Uh, it's super tough, as you yeah. just said. Do you play him or not? But Melvin Gordon did just go off in his game against the Jets, so maybe maybe there's he one did. more week. But Maybe, but you have better matchups with guys that are actually producing. You know, Kelly in in theory should have a better game. Can I afford? I, I don't have. All, I don't have the answers. You know, I don't have the I, answers. <laughs> can I or any of you out there afford another week of Kenyon Drake doing nothing? Like I don't. I don't know. And he had you know a great matchup last week in Carolina and didn't do anything. So that's that's very true. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You guys out there, let me know what you think. If, you, if you're listening to this, go to our Instagram, BTBW Podcast. Let me know what, what you are think. your thoughts on Kenyon Drake, <laughs> for sure. Uh, in my matchup, I am playing my wife this week. I'm playing Bethany, who is also two and two because of a laundry list of injuries on her team. Mm-hmm. So this one, I really, I, I really want to go three and two, and I really want to beat her. So big week <laughs> for the Mean Machine. Starting quarterback, as always, is Lamar Jackson. I've got Drew Brees on the bench as the backup. My receiver's going to start Calvin Ridley and Tyler Boyd. And in my flex, I'm going to start Deontay Johnson. He is returning from an injury, and they're facing Philadelphia. My only other receiver on the roster currently on my bench is Chris Godwin, who is going to be out for Thursday Night Football in all likelihood. RB's Chris Carson on Sunday Night Football against the Vikings and Derrick Henry. We have already litigated the Titans' problems, so if he is out, I have Antonio Gibson and Justin Jackson on my bench. I will likely play Gibson Yeah. if Henry cannot go. My tight end is Mark Andrews. I also have Dalton Schultz. Depending on the consistency of Andrews, maybe Schultz will be able to see playing time here at some point in the coming weeks, but... You know, that's probably not going to happen. Zen Gonzalez is my kicker. Hopefully he doesn't only get three points like he did this past week. 
And then uh, I have two defenses currently, which I think is bad fantasy football. I do too. And I, I, <laughs> I was going to say this last week, and this is a joke, but I was thinking I have decided that anybody who carries two different do two defenses on their fantasy team is not going to be invited back next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not That's planning on doing it long term, but uh, I wanted to pick up the Chiefs while I could. I have the Chiefs defense against the Raiders and then the Broncos defense against the Patriots. We, we'll see how it goes. I didn't want to drop Denver quite yet. Next week they play Miami. And then, oh, and uh, if, sorry not to interrupt you, but if Cam Newton doesn't play, um, yeah, Denver against New England is a good is a good play, I think. Exactly, and that's that's what I was going after there. So I was going to hold on to them for this week and possibly next week, considering Kansas City plays Buffalo next week. But then after that, Kansas City gets Denver, the New York Jets, and Carolina, and then the Raiders again after a bye. So I think the Chiefs are going to be a really good defense to have. So really, it's a short-term, two-week type deal with the two defenses, and then I'm going to can the Broncos after that. Uh But I wanted to pick up the Chiefs while I could. (laughs) And at this point, there's no one else necessarily that I feel like I need to hold on to as opposed to the defense. There's just so many... There's just so many question marks out there. I think, as we mentioned earlier, I think my team, I think my starting lineup that I just went through is really solid. Mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting for that week where finally somebody doesn't get hurt. You know, I started Deontay Johnson one week and he got zero. Yeah. So I'm projected 134 and Bethany's got a lot of injuries. We will uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully next week we can both get on here and have a rosier outlook you know <laughs> would be amazing you'll be in the win think... column i'll be at three and two and we'll have just positive vibes out the fucking wazoo and you know, <laughs> it's just, well but uh we'll see i definitely think you can beat bethany this week with her running back situation as it is um if raheem mostert comes back obviously that's going to help her team but right now i think she started brian hill and giovanni bernard last week but she still got like 70 points between Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper so it's not like she's yeah even without the RBs she's still doing okay she's lost both games but um she's got a good team a lot of injuries Julio Jones and Christian McCaffrey on her team as well for a little context there yeah just a ton of injuries and but she's two and two still one of the stronger teams in the league when everyone is healthy just a matter of time yeah she might be without Julio this week too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so uh, hey, you know, if I have to get lucky to win, I'd I'd rather be lucky than good any day. You know, <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll take it if I can go three and two. I'm gonna need it, man. We're, yeah, gotta well, get any win you can at this point. Hopefully, one of us will get a win at least. <laughs> Just for <laughs> for team morale here for podcast morale. Hey, it's gonna happen for for both of us. I'm feeling <laughs> it. Things are gonna swing our way. All right, that's all we have for the show this week. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe and give us a review. Connect with us on social media. We do our best to answer any questions we get. We post our weekly waiver wire ads on Tuesdays. You can find us at BTBW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Good luck out there in week five. Hopefully your season is going better than ours or at least mine. (laughs) 
and we will see you next week. See ya.